Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. On Tuesday, the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class was voted on, but it's not exactly known when we're going to find out those results. Now, as you know, a couple of Raider legends, Charles Woodson and Tom Flores, are eligible. And I have to believe Woodson is a lock. But as far as Flores goes, I mean, we've been here before with him. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Now, the voting committee usually decides the class the day before the Super Bowl. And it's announced the same day. But because of the coronavirus pandemic, the committee instead met virtually. And as of now, the plan is to announce the class at a later date. Now, Flores is the lone candidate in the coach category, while Woodson is one of 15 finalists in the so-called modern era players category. Flores, as the coach candidate, it's going to be simply a yes-no vote, but he also needs 80% approval. Woodson is a little bit different. He's going to need to survive the whittling from the list from 15 down to 10 and then to 5. And then they're going to vote upon individually on a yes-no basis. And they also need 80% approval for induction. Now, looking at some of the other candidates, I mean, Peyton Manning, he's a lot to be one of the five, one of the five greatest all-time quarterbacks. Wide receiver Calvin Johnson, who played for the Detroit Lions. How about Jared Allen, defensive end, who played for a handful of teams? Rondé Barber, longtime defensive back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And John Lynch, who was a teammate of Barber. And another wide receiver, Torrey Holt of the St. Louis Rams, who played for some of those greatest show-on-turf teams. Those are just some of the names. And I really like Woodson's chances of getting in. I really do. I would be shocked if Seawood doesn't make it. Now, the Raiders as an organization, they recognize 26 Hall of Famers, which include the likes of Kenny Stabler, Howie Long, and Tim Brown. But they also recognize players who had a cup of coffee with the organization as well, like Eric Dickerson, James Lofton, and Ronnie Lott. Let's hope uh, for two more additions, because Woodson and Flores are both well-deserving of gold jackets. And one more thing, Raider Nation, if you haven't seen the Coors Light commercial with Tom Flores, check it out. I'm sure if you haven't seen it on TV, you can find it somewhere online, and I promise you, it's definitely worth your time. Well, of course, this weekend is the conference championships, and I'll start in the NFC, where you have Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We can all agree that Brady is the GOAT, but I think you can now make a strong argument. Rodgers belongs on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, along with Brady, Joe Montana, John Elway, and Peyton Manning. I like the Packers in a close one over the Buccaneers. All right, over in the AFC, I mean, obviously the biggest storyline continues to be the health of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. 
He's still in concussion protocol. So if he plays, I think the Chiefs win by a touchdown, if not more. But if Mahomes can't go, well, that changes everything. And I certainly like Buffalo to win on the road. But whatever you're feeling, whether you like my picks or you have your own, then you should head to betonline.ag today because it has it all. Game spreads, totals, the team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, Raider Nation. And then there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So do yourself a favor and head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You know, I looked this stat up, Raider Nation, because I was curious about how many times the Raiders have appeared in the conference championship. And this is remarkable. From 1967 to 1990, the Raiders appeared in 12 AFL slash AFC championship games. That's half the title games in that time frame. And then I broke it down some more. And how about this? From 1967 to 1977, they appeared in all but two conference championship games. And by the way, their record over those 12 games was 4-8. and eight. But since 1991, the Raiders have appeared in just two title games. In 2000, they lost at home to the Baltimore Ravens. And then two years later, they beat the Tennessee Titans. Their overall record, 5-9. and nine. And if you're wondering who's appeared in the most title games in each conference, in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers have appeared in 16 followed by the New England Patriots with 15, and the Raiders are third. Over in the NFC, I know this is going to pain you, Raider Nation, but just let it go. It's the San Francisco 49ers with 16. So the Niners and the Steelers have appeared in the most conference championship games. Well, no matter where the Raiders have played their conference championships, they've always played in front of a packed house filled with the most loyal, passionate, and dedicated fan base in all of sports. I mean, think about it. They've moved three times and still their fans follow them wherever they go. And no matter how bad the franchise has been over the last 18 years in terms of wins and losses. I mean, I know a lot of fan bases would have said good riddance if their team moved not once, not twice, but three times. I mean, when they were in Oakland, if you... Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Never had the opportunity to watch a game in the black hole or just walk around that part of the stadium, see that crowd, that energy, 
then I'm sorry, but you missed out on something unique and something special. It was unlike anything I've seen at any sporting event I've covered or attended as a fan. One of the original members of the Black Hole is Wayne Mabry, and I'm pleased to be joined by the man who might be better known as The Violator. Wayne, it's an honor to have you. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate it, Dennis. Thanks for having me on, man, and hope uh, you had a happy new year, and uh, we're off to an exciting 2021. We are indeed new coordinator, Gus Bradley. I think Raider Nation should be very happy with that hire. A lot of them probably aren't familiar with him, but me being a defensive guy myself, I knew of him when he was in Seattle and what they uh, brought into fruition there with that uh, Legion of Boom. So if we can come anything close to that, brother, it's going to be a feather in our cap. <laughs> For sure. Wayne, I want to go back to the beginning. Tell me, how did you become a Raider fan? Well, here's the deal. Uh, I've always been into knights and armor as a kid. You know, I was called weird, but that's okay. Weird is good. Um, so the Raiders were playing the Chiefs because Chiefs was like shown locally in my area. So I saw them playing the Chiefs. And, you know, I love the uniforms because those were like knights already. So I got a close-up shot on the helmet of the shield. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's two swords and a pirate on that helmet. Fell in love right there and made up my mind then, I think I was about eighth grade, that wherever that team was from, that's where I'm going. And, uh, you know, once I told my mom that story, she thought I'd lost my mind, but I never let it exit my, my brain, so to speak. So that was always in the back of my mind, whatever I did from 1970 up until 74, when I graduated from high school, I was on a mission, you know, but I got sidetracked two years at Jackson State where I met Walter Payton and Robert Brazil, Jackie Slater, Ricky Young, you know, all those cats who were playing on Sundays a year or so later. So that just inspired me to stay on top of my dream. So uh, 1977, I landed in Los Angeles, and the rest is history. Wait, Wayne, where did you grow up? I grew up in Mississippi, a little town called Mound Bayou. So you were in Mississippi, so the closest teams to you regionally would have been maybe the Saints or the Falcons or perhaps the Houston Oilers or Dallas Cowboys, but you still became a Raider fan. Yes, I really didn't like the bright colors of the other teams. Uh, even though I'm a football fanatic, those bright colors never appealed to me. So when I saw a team in silver and black, I mean, that was a match made in heaven right there. So you get to L.A. in 1977. When exactly did you start attending Raider games? Uh, in 82 at the L.A. Coliseum because I had just got into construction. So I really didn't have a lot of money to travel with at the time. So when they moved here right after winning that, that Super Bowl, uh, it was a match made in heaven, and I could actually walk to the game from where I live. So when did the Violator, how was that born, and where did the idea come from? Well, here's the deal. What I've discovered as I've grown older, that was the kindred spirit that I felt inside of me as a kid. I uh, could never really explain it to anyone, but they were saying, they would say I was moody. So 
I guess when I was in my moods, he was trying to come out or, or express himself. So attending the games in LA, you know, I had uh, seats right behind the bench, which I thought was where I should be, but I never sat down. I always stood up and I'm yelling, you know, pretty much the whole game. And a uh, bunch of celebrities would always question, why don't I ever sit down and take a break? And my, my answer was, we're not at a baseball game waiting on the seventh inning stretch. Get up and help me boost these teams to victory. So after a couple of seasons of heckling me, well, I, I took it as heckling. I uh, was really pissed off about it. But uh, after a couple of seasons of that, I decided to come in here with something visual to show them what game day intensity was supposed to be like in my mind. So the violator was unleashed. And uh, he's been having therapy every ever since, 29 years. You know, if you went to a game in Oakland, nobody ever sat down. The only time you sat down was maybe in between quarters or at halftime. Other than that, you stood the whole game. Absolutely. That's tradition, see. And uh, most fans that come to visit us, they don't get it. No, not at all. So, Wayne, let me ask you this. How long does it take you to put on your makeup and your full gear for a game? Transformation from Wayne to the violator takes about two hours. Take me through the process. Well, the process is this. Uh, you know, of course, all the gear that I wear, of course. And then uh, when it comes down to putting the war paint on, that's the longest part of the process, which is a good hour and some change, just that. And uh, it's a ritual that I started uh, just because of, like transforming into a, a warrior or a gladiator, so to speak, uh, going, to, going to battle. So that's what it was like. Now, in the beginning stages, I used to use two fingers, you know, sort of like a Rambo or something, and let's go. I didn't care what it looked like it was on, and you knew I meant business. So as the years went on, me being an artist, I decided, why not refine this and make it like me painting, you know, on canvas? but on my face in reverse. So that's, that's pretty much the process, brother. So Wayne, you flew from LA up to Oakland for the games. Now, when you got on the plane, were you dressed as Wayne or were you dressed as the violator? Always dressed as a violator. Got my business suit on. I don't have time to go change. I'm going from uh, Oakland airport right to the stadium. And you had no issues ever getting through security or on the plane or anything like that. Well, let's put it this way. There were issues, but nothing that was going to stop me from getting to the game. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Wayne, how difficult was it for you not being able to attend any home games this year? Dennis, I'm going to put it this way. Now, this is my best analysis. It's like a patient going to, to get therapy, but he has no transportation, nor no, no communication other than watching it on television. So it felt like I'm in a padded room somewhere. Prior to this season, what was the last home game that you didn't attend? Can you remember? It's, it's, wow, that's been, that's been so long, man. It's on a rare occasion that uh, something family-wise will come up, but that was rare because usually everything was put on hold. Anytime coming, anything around the game, was put on hold, but uh, that's been so long, I can't really remember. 
Do you have season tickets uh, in Las Vegas? No, I don't. Uh, and here's the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm retired from, uh, you know, carpentry and uh, the seats that I had, once we found out the move was official, my wife and I had said right there, and there's no way we could afford to sit in those same seats. You know, like I've, I've had season tickets for 37 years up until last year. Well, yeah, 2020. And it's just strange not even going through the process of paying for the tickets. But, you know, those new prices, I it's, it's above my pay scale. So unless I get divine intervention or some corporation wants to uh, barter a deal, then uh, I'll just have to uh, purchase my tickets on a weekly basis. So to me, it's almost a little bittersweet, Wayne. I mean, the, the Raiders have been trying to get a stadium for so many years. They finally get one in Vegas, yet it seems like you're priced out, right? That's pretty much what I feel like. Uh, matter of fact, the last home game, uh, we were saying we felt like we were getting evicted and we've been paying our rent on time. So wait, you were one of the original members of the Black Hole in Oakland. How did it get started? Well, a friend, a good friend of mine, or good brother, I call him, Rob Rivera, is actually the president of the Black Hole. They kind of inducted me as a uh, member just from what I had started back in Los Angeles. Then it was called a Pirates Pavilion. Ah, very interesting. So how did the name change then go from that to the Black Hole? Well, that's what they, the organization named themselves. So it was a perfect fit for me just because that's the way I felt. When you came in here, you disappeared from the world because you were encapsulated in this whole aura of the Raiders and that black hole. How would you describe game day in the black hole? For me, therapeutic, brother. Uh, for some, maybe squeamish. Uh, it was a little bit intimidating, but... My most fondest memories were having fans from other teams come and visit with me during a game, you know, from the tailgate, the fellowshipping that we do outside, to coming in, clocking in for work inside. It was an experience like none other. And those are the guys that tell the stories that put another spin on the whole lore that goes around about us because we're misunderstood as a fan base. What was that last game like for you at the Coliseum? And it was like, uh, it's like we had a wedding reception at first. And then with the loss, it was like we were attending a wake. So you were just like from the highs, highs to you were just numb. You know, at when the three zeros were on the clock, you were just numb. Because that was it. A lot of us wouldn't ever see each other again. So we said our goodbyes for the second time. Because the follow the previous year was supposed to have been the last year, remember? Yes, correct. It was bittersweet. I was at that uh, game as well. And uh, for the fans of the East Bay, very, very difficult uh, for them. Um, for someone who doesn't know anything about Raider Nation, how would you describe the fan base to them? It's, well, one word I'd like to use to describe us is family. I mean, a global family. Uh, some of us have a hard time communicating because of language barriers, but the love for this shield is endless. And uh, 
we have it's a lot, it's basically a lifestyle, uh, Dennis. So once you pick up these colors, you're gonna deal with the ridicule, you're gonna be prejudged, and everything that goes with it. But nobody knows what ticks in here. So the only way that you can show them is through your actions. And so I always encourage all of my fans to uh, uh, contribute community-wise, you know, get involved with charities and giving back. That's the best way that you can show a different side of you other than what they see on Sunday. Because like I say, we're there for church on Sunday. Absolutely. You know, when one of the th interesting things I found when I was talking to friends or just acquaintances who were not Raider fans, I'd say, come to a game in Oakland. I'm like, it's unlike anything you would ever experience in your life. Like, no, it's too rowdy. It's too scary. I'm like, complete misconception. I'm like, that is a misnomer. I said, maybe when they returned to Oakland in the mid-90s, yes, it was a little rough. And at times it could get a little, you know, a little out of, out of control. But I just think the passion and the fan base, and I think that, as you mentioned, it's almost like a family atmosphere. And people were very welcoming of other fans. They, they really were. And I think the Raider fans got a bad name and they got a bad rap for a long time. I really, really do. Here's, here's what I tell all of all, everyone that I come into uh, shouting distance of. You embrace it because it's not going to go anywhere. That is an image that we live up to. Now, Al was a genius in my estimation because he knew exactly what he was doing when he assembled all of this that you see right here. We're like, you remember Detroit back in the basketball days? The oh, bad, sure, the boys? bad boys. Well, we are the dog sheep of the NFL and very proud of that. But uh, like I said, you will get no experience on game day than being fellowshipping with us. I call it fellowshipping because basically that's the way I, like I say, it's like church, but we're out in the arena. Over the years, how many pictures do you think you took with fans? Any idea? Wow, Dennis, if I, <laughs> I would have to just say million, a million. And that's probably cutting myself short, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Each of those is a contact that lasts a lifetime. I've, I've witnessed generations of fans. And like I say, some from other countries who come back annually and they always bring somebody else with them. And those pictures that we take, that's just a moment. I have a saying, enjoy the moments. Uh, that's on my uh, sports line. You can check that out at moto-sports.com. Enjoy the moments. Uh, so when these guys take these photographs back, you know, me just taking that time, I'm like an ambassador, a gracious host, so to speak. And that changes their whole towns. Just the fact that they, I stopped and took a picture with whoever it is. And look, that's an ambassador's job in my view. Yeah. And let me tell you, I know, I don't know when it was, but I know I got a picture with you uh, at a Raider game at some point. Wayne, do you have a favorite all-time Raider? You always throw that question. I get that a lot, but here's my answer to that. And it's a standard answer. I don't have a favorite because they're all my favorites if they wear this shield. And the uh, reason I say that, because I always look at it as a team sport. You have fantastic, you have Hall of Fame individuals. But when it comes collectively, I love them all the same. I know you did a commercial with Howie Long. What was it like meeting him? Man, that was, that was actually how I found out I was nominated. 
Um, I was doing a, an interview at my house uh, with Fox Sports. Had no idea that he was coming or anything. I'm just doing an interview to hopefully show Ford and Pro Football Hall of Fame that I was worthy of being in this contest. So in the middle of the interview, I get a knock at the door. And at first I wanted to ignore it, thinking it was one of my neighbors, you know, curiosity just got the best of them. So they had to come over, find out why all these trucks and equipment was in the front of my house. So the director says, oh yeah, go and, go and answer that. We'll, we'll resume once you sit back down. So I go to the front door and I've, it's a long hallway to my front door. So I thought I got a glimpse of something bright, you know, and I got roses, you know, at my entrance. And I'm thinking that, that wasn't red. So I get to the door and nobody's there. So now I've got an attitude big time, you know, violators coming out. So I open the door and I was going to peep out and see who's playing, how he steps from around the corner, man. And it's just like, unbelievable. I knew right then they had, and, uh, and I'm sure they were cracking up, you know, because they had me on camera and I'm mic'd up. And I'm just like, man. This, so it took me all the way back to when he played at the Coliseum, man. Sure, absolutely. Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I want to get more into it. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, they've announced you are one of six fans in the NFL who was a nominee to be elected into the Ford Hall of Fans, which is part of Pro Football Hall of Fame. So tell me a little bit more about this. What an honor. I'm sure it's got to be for you. And then where can fans go to vote for you as well, Wayne? Well, like, I, like you just said, it was definitely an honor. I had no idea. And to be nominated by what I'm considering one of my peers, you know, because I look at the players as, as my brothers. And that's just a relationship that I have with them. For him to come out to my house, that was just mind-blowing, you know. Uh, I was kind of at a loss of word, which is a rarity, but uh, but just this thing that Ford is doing in conjunction with Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's honoring the fans. That is a big step, making us feel more fabric of the game itself. And uh, like I say, if I if I eventually crown the winner or whatever, uh, like I say, I'm just going to do what I do all the time, represent Raider Nation to the best of my ability. And wait, where can fans go to vote or can they vote? How does the process work? Yes, you can vote until January 24th. That's when the voting is cut off. Go to FordHallOfFans.com forward slash football and cast your vote. And of course, I won't look like this, but you'll know the other guys me. All right, Raider Nation, you know where to go to vote for Wayne. Let's make this happen. Let's get three Raiders in this year's Hall of Fame. We'll get Wayne along with Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. See what, hey, Wayne, before I let you go, I know you said you've been attending games for decades now. Is there a game, just one game perhaps that might stand out in your memory? My favorite one that I like talking about is the uh, AFC Championship game uh, against the, tennis, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, back with Steve McNair and uh, Eddie George and all those cast of characters. Um, I didn't have tickets for that particular game. You know, couldn't afford them at the time. And uh, so I got a phone call from the front office very early in the morning, you know, and saying, find a way to get to Oakland. They had two tickets at will call. So <laughs> it, 
it's unlike my normal procedure. So I think that was about the fastest I transformed into violator. And the only airport that we could fly out of to make it in time for the game was out of John Wayne Airport in Orange County, which I'd never flown out of. So when I stepped in there fully dressed, the whole place went silent, like, what is going on? And uh, so I, you talk about uh, going through security. Well, it was almost like full body cavity search that I got on the plane. And what they did was hid me behind the partition so that the rest of the passengers would get on because there was rumors that they didn't want to get on whatever flight that guy was on. Oh, my gosh. That is an unbelievable story. And the beautiful thing is they won that day. Last time the Raiders, unfortunately, had been in the Super Bowl, but you got to witness it firsthand, and that's that's a beautiful thing, Wayne. That's, yes. That is fantastic. Appreciate that. Don't forget, Raider Nation, you can go to the FordHallOfFans.com to vote for Wayne, and you can also follow him at Violator57. Man, this has been an honor. It's been a privilege. It's it, This has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me, come on the podcast, talk Raiders, talk Violator, and all of that. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Dennis. And keep inspiring doing your show. Whenever you feel like having me back on, just give me a jingle, brother. Will do. Thanks so much. You bet. Well, with the new year comes tons of new big games and sports. And with big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, Get free shipping with the code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V. And do it at checkout. And you know what else? Try out the Snack Pack Combo. It features small plates with big-time flavor. I mean, we're talking mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders. Wow. How about some mac and cheese melts? Shrimp wrapped in bacon. Oh, my goodness. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home. And satisfaction is guaranteed or your money is back. Basically, every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, Go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. On Wednesday, a longtime rival and Raider nemesis quarterback Phillip Rivers announced his retirement ending what I feel is a 17-year Hall of Fame career. I was fortunate enough to cover him when he played for the San Diego slash LA Chargers. And what you saw on the field, completely different off the field. Always very generous with his time, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Rivers ranks fifth in the NFL history with 63,000 440 passing yards. He trails Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. 
pretty select company. He also finished fifth in league history with 421 touchdown passes. Rivers issued the following statement announcing his retirement, and it goes like this. Every year, January 20th is a special and emotional day. It's St. Sebastian's Feast Day. The day I played in the AFC Championship without an ACL. And now the day that after 17 seasons, I am announcing my retirement from the National Football League. Thank you, God, for allowing me to live out my childhood dream of playing quarterback in the NFL. I mean, if you look at the 2004 draft class, which also includes Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, the only thing that Rivers doesn't have is the Super Bowl rings that both of them do. Now, I believe Rivers' stats are certainly worthy of a place in Canton, but he just doesn't have the hardware. I was watching PTI, and I thought Michael Wilbon made a great comparison. He compared Rivers to Dan Fouts and Warren Moon, a pair of wonderful quarterbacks who threw for thousands and thousands of yards and hundreds upon hundreds of touchdowns. But they never won a Super Bowl, let alone appeared in one. All that being said, congratulations, Philip Rivers, on an outstanding NFL career. Uh, just FYI, Rivers isn't quite exactly done with the game of football. After announcing his retirement, he immediately became the head football coach at St. Michael's High School in Alabama. All right, Raider Nation, and that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.